This story is not about the presents under the tree. It's not about the sails or the songs or the snow. It's about a promise God gave us for every time we feel isolated, forgotten, lonely, for everyone who needs connection, closeness, warmth, or just to know they're not alone. This story is about Emmanuel, God with us. So I remember that first night for us as a family. Uh, it was our first night fostering. Uh, if you don't know, we, f- we foster as a family, and we were fresh out of training. Heather and I had gone to like 11 weeks of training, and uh, we all know what training does. Training basically gives us information, but until you get into it, you really don't know uh, what it's going to be, what, what, what the experience will be. And that applies to most things, really. Uh, you know, we can watch the YouTube instructional video, but until we actually get in there and get grease on our hands, we maybe don't know what, what if we can do it or not. And so uh, Josiah 2 and Charlotte 4, uh, they were just about an hour out from our house and showing up. They were our first placements. And there was excitement, there was fear, there was joy, there was confusion, there was uh, expectations, and we didn't know what to expect. And the two of them showed up, each with a backpack and a black hefty trash bag full of clothes. Police department issued car seats, and, uh, and that was about it. And I remember that first night because it was a crazy one. The younger of the two uh, was still in a crib, and so when you put him in the crib, he would stay centrally located in that crib, right? Couldn't get out. But the older of the two, she did not want to sleep in her bed. And I don't don't understand, I don't pretend to understand what she had gone through, but overall there was this sense of needing to be with someone. And not just her brother, but actually an adult or security for her in that moment. And for her it was this sense of being with Heather and us, Heather and I, um, being with us. and, and, And she didn't know us for more than a few hours, but that's where she wanted to be. And so she got out of bed numerous times only to climb in our bed. And, and the training let us know that that wasn't allowed in, in foster care. You couldn't have the child sleep with you in your bed. And so I would get up over and over and put her back in her bed, put her back to sleep. And she would get up over and over again. Eventually, uh, the, the, the sheer exhaustion got to her, and she fell asleep on the couch, and I called the foster care specialist, and I was like, is it all right if, like, maybe tonight she sleeps on the couch? And we're like, well, yeah, I guess that works. But over time, we, um, we, we, uh, we figured out the sleeping thing. This is a picture of her uh, falling asleep for her first nap in our house. There she is underneath her bed because she was protesting having to sleep in her room. It was fun. But finally we got the hang of this. And, uh, and, but at the end of that night, that first night, we woke up in the morning and that sheer uh, desire to be with someone had drug her to a place where she got up off the couch and she was in a ball on the very bottom corner of our bed sleeping just so she could be in the same room. She wanted to be with someone. Um, funny thing is, I was working at Costco when we were about to have Colby, our first child. 
15 plus years ago. Uh, and my friend that I was working with let me know they were about to have their third child. And he said, man, I've got to get this figured out. Uh, because I have two kids and a golden, uh, a golden retriever sleeping in my bed, and I'm about to have my third child. And so from that day forward, I actually established that our kids weren't going to be with us in our room or in our bed. But here's the deal, church. Uh, we're all born with this deep need and longing for connection for connection with people. And it's, it's hardwired into, uh, really, into our souls. And God knows this, and he speaks about it all throughout Scripture. In fact, in the Bible, the most frequent promise is, I am with you. God says that in his promises the most, I am with you. This Christmas, we celebrate not Merely the fact that we always do that Jesus came to be the savior of the world But we celebrate that he sent and saved the world not only as a baby But that he sent that to fulfill the promise of him being with us He was and is and always will be Emmanuel God with us For my friend Charlotte and for you and for me God promises he will be with us. What he doesn't promise is he doesn't promise that I will fix all of your problems. He doesn't promise that I will make things easier for you. He doesn't promise that he will make you comfortable. He doesn't promise that uh, he will, uh, he will, he will uh, solve all of your problems. But he promises that he will be with us. He will walk us through those. Right. He promises withness. I like making up words. I think is withness a word? I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, but in the pain and in the joy and the uncertainty, he promises he will be with us every step, whatever which way we take. Right? That is Emmanuel, God with us. And that name, Emmanuel, would be first mentioned uh, in the book of Isaiah, a prophetic book in the Bible that would tell of Jesus's coming. Uh, it's one of the uh, prophetic books, and these are books of God's promises that we can read that he is fulfilling, and he will fulfill them all. Uh, Isaiah seven fourteen says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And you probably heard this around Christmas. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The desire, the longing, uh, the need for that, the need for that promise was introduced well before those words were spoken in the book of, of uh, Isaiah. Uh, in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, you've probably heard of them. Uh, in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, and he created Adam and Eve out of the overflow of his love. And he created them in his image. And it says that they were image bearers of God. And God created, uh, God created Adam and Eve, and he breathed life into Adam. And when he breathed life into Adam, Adam opened his eyes, and he realized that he was with God. Right then and there, when God breathed the life into him, they were one together with each other. And we, you and I, and those uh, that God has created are Adams and Eves. We are image bearers of God. God. We're image bearers of who he is in, in, in his creation. 
But back in the garden there at the beginning when Adam and Eve were breathed breath of God into life, back in the garden, that's where sin crept in. And you've heard me say it before, that's when separation happened. Us in that moment thinking that for a minute we could do it on our own, on our own knowledge, uh, on our own ability, uh, in our own strength, better than him, oftentimes this is a struggle for us, that, that sin, that, call, that is called sin, that is separation. And Adam and Eve, long before they, were reala they realized they were without a fig leaf, uh, they were clothed in the love of God. So before they came to that knowledge, they were clothed in the love of God. And then what happened was that that connectedness to God uh, was, was broken by the sin and the separation that was produced by, and, and produced the shame and guilt that Adam and Eve felt. So back in Genesis, something that was being clothed in God's love and, and together with him, that was broken and there was now something missing. There was separation that came to be. And this promise, God with us, speaks into the one primary fear I think we all struggle with, and that is the idea of at times, or even a lot of the times, feeling alone. Feeling by yourself, feeling like you're the only one who would understand. And God promises this with us, and, 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 and with Adam and Eve at that separation, that sin that was introduced, if you remember that, Adam and Eve, what did they do in the garden when they sinned? They hid from God. They separated themselves from God. And so, our God... He created this sacrifice in the sacrificial system, and he created a temple, uh, and that was in the Old Testament a way for him to make a way for him to be with us in the temple. Once a year, they would gather in the temple, and they would come, and they would sacrifice, and then God would be with his people. So in the very beginning, we have the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God, and then the Word, if you remember the Scripture, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. His name would be Jesus, the baby, the Lamb of God, to take away what? The sin, the separation that had happened. To restore God with us, with his people. And that, in a sense, being what each one of us was created for, to be with God. We, each and every one of us, we were created, uh, were created to experience exactly what Adam experienced at the breath of life that was br breathed into him, and that is to be present in relationship with God. And that's why, uh, and we talked about it in our last series quite a bit, that's why uh, the things of this earth that are not of God, that's why they don't work out. They don't fulfill what it is that God desires for us and what he created us for. 
And church, that's the story of the Bible, cover to cover, you know, table of contents to maps. That's the story of the Bible, the story of God's people being reconciled to be with God, God uh, God's continued pursuit of his people. And it's not just us, it's for all the usses in the hippopotamuses, right? Because God loves the hippopotamuses too. It's Christmas, I threw that in there. If you haven't heard the Christmas hippopotamus song, go Google it, you'll sing it the rest of the day. Earworm, uh, you're singing it right now in your head if you've heard it before, and that's why I put it in there. Uh, God's pursuit is for all people. That little girl's voice is still singing in your head. Um, no, God's pursuit is for all people. It's cover to cover in the Bible. That's what it is. Genesis, that's the promise. And even in Revelations, if we listen to Revelations 3, or Revelations 7, 13 through 15, says this, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I, I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have, washed, they, uh, they have washed their robes and made them white as the blood of the Lamb. That's talking about Jesus reconciling his people, being washed white. And it says this, Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. That those that have placed their faith and trust in, trust in Jesus will be sheltered with God's presence. Unbroken separation, a connectedness, a, 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 a living out exactly why we were created, clothed in his presence, sheltered in his presence. And so we have in the beginning, God was at creation. The Lord was at creation. And then at the end in Revelations, we have he will be with us. Those that have put their faith and trust in him, those that have called him, those that believe in him, those that give their life to them, he will be with them. And listen to what it says, what will happen from verse 16 and 17. And those who sit on the throne will, will uh, those who sit on the, no, he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall not hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun should not strike them nor any scor with any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to the springs of living water, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will clothe them. He will feed them. He will uh, protect them. He will shelter them. He will bring joy to them. He will guide them. With his presence in church, because here's the deal. I, I love, I love me some incarnation Christmas, right? That's God with us. And don't get me wrong, because around here we also, and I know it's weird to say it, we love the atonement of Good Friday. We celebrated Easter Good Friday where Jesus paid the price for each one of us. We love, we love Resurrection Sunday, right? The Easter, the defeating of the grave, the all-powerful God. The loving God who gave his life for us, the powerful God that defeated death on the cross and in the tomb. But there's something about the idea of God with us. And that's where I want to focus this, this month leading into Christmas, that we would live it out as, as, as this idea and think about it as this idea, as God with us. It's an amazing, uh, uh, the idea of this incarnation that God stepped into our world and God putting on display the act of being with us. 
God continuing to take a step towards us no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're feeling, where, you know, in our holiday celebrations or what, God continues to step towards us with the desire for us to be with him. And I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, when is the last time like you really pondered the idea of, you know what Christmas truly means? I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe it's just me. Like, oh, Jesus was born. That was uh, great. Like, that was awesome that Jesus was born. And that's what we celebrate. But when was the last time you thought about it at, uh, relationally? As we've had some babies in our house over the past few years. And I mean, you, you take care of them, but there's not a lot of interaction. We love them. We love them. But then they, it's hard for them to reciprocate that love. And, and so we think of that baby Jesus, the celebration of Christmas, as like, oh, well, he was born to be the savior of the world. And what's really cool is what he went on to do. But when's the last time you thought about that idea of Jesus being sent to earth as this God stepping towards us. Like God's greatest act of in desire to be with us. And we'll talk about his spirit and how that works today uh, with Christmas as well. And we'll talk about Jesus himself. We'll talk about a few different things throughout the series. But this idea of God being sent to earth and being with us, displaying this God with us. Because for us, a time like this, uh, you know, the world is crazy. Uh, the season of Christmas by itself fills its own co quota of crazy, right? Like we were talking about just yesterday. It's like, oh, man, it's just about to get crazy for us. But now you add uh, a pandemic and social and political stigmas and everything that's going on. But God's answer to all of that and God's answer to us is Christmas. It is. It's Christmas. It's God with us. More than traditions that we hold, more than uh, the, what the culture might say, because here's the deal. Uh, the world's culture of Christmas isn't wrong. It's, it's, it's just misguided. It's misguided for us. It's, it's misaligned, right? Because the presents and the tree and the, and, and the decor. And for, for a lot of us, the reason why we do that stuff is, is for the desire to be with each other. And to celebrate and to get together with family. And maybe even to recognize God in a, in a, in a unique way other than any other time throughout the year. God's answer to us is Christmas. God with us. In Luke 2, 7, uh, 7 through 11, it says, uh, She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no guest room available for them. And then in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. God came just as he said he would. That 
Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets spoke of a Savior, a Messiah to come. And the prophecies uh, were the word of hope telling God's people how to recognize that when it came. How to recognize his arrival. In the, in the Christmas story itself, it starts with a couple showing up to Bethlehem, confused and, 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 and afraid and uncertain and uh, culturally abandoned, politically pushed aside. And that, I believe it relates to each one of us. We can have those feelings. And I don't know about you, but you know, this past recent history has caused confusion, has caused certainty, some fear, and some sense of being afraid, some uncertainty, some annoyance, or being perplexed about what really is going on. And for Mary and Joseph, they both had joy and pain in that moment, in that first Christmas. And I can't even fathom or begin to relate uh, as, as, as what they were going through, but for each one of us, I know for a fact, for each one of us, we have all over the past year experienced joy and pain. There's common ground there for each one of us if we don't even have to go very deep. And it means that in this world, in the confusion, in the crazy, in the pursuit of life, in the getting ahead, in the falling behind, in the failing to perform, in the uncertainty of tomorrow, that there's always good news of great joy. Because God is, was, and always will be with us. If we revisit that passage in Isaiah 14, there, for the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God incarnate, God with us. And we know that actually at that time of that promise that there was craziness going on in the world as well as we read through isaiah a lot of isaiah isaiah they talked about darkness and utter siege and national crisis and economic devastation their existence was of in threat there was darkness and fear there was uncertainty isaiah 9 1 and 2 says nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were who were in distress in the past he humbled the land of uh zabunlan yeah, I didn't, I didn't click how it's supposed to be pronounced on my software, so it didn't tell me. Uh, Nephtali, and, but in the future, he will honor Galilee and the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's the promise of God with us, bringing to light, bringing light in the darkness of what we face. And so I ask you, what are you feeling today? I'm sure we have joy as it's still early in December. The stress maybe hasn't crept in. The anxiety hasn't risen yet. But over the past little time, have you felt uncertainty? Have you felt safety uh, or health, security? Have you wondered who will be with us? Maybe you've lost somebody in this past year, and this is the first Christmas that you're without them. Or maybe you're wondering who will be with you next year. Right? We're all born with this deep need and longing for connection. And I, what if I was to tell you that at the core of pretty much everything that we struggle with, at the core of pretty much everything that we deal with, your greatest fear, your uncertainties, your problems in life, what if I was to tell you that they were all related to or festered or 
uh, exacerbated, is that right? Like blown up, originated from our fear or feeling of being separated from God. That when we are separate from God, as we separate ourselves in areas of our lives, that's where the fear, uncertainty, the problems in life, the, the, all, the, all the stress and anxiety, that's where that lives. And so if we can nail God with us as a promise, if we do math right, the equation would subside those feelings. God incarnate, God with us. And, and, and in doing that, God entering into the world with us, he brought to this world grace and mercy for the things that we've done, the things that we've caused this to be. Because I have countless conversations with people who say, one yesterday with a complete stranger, he said, the reason I don't go to church is because I'm not worthy of being forgiven. And I said, that's the greatest place to be in. Not that... You, you, it's better to feel like you're, you're not worthy of being forgiven than to feel like you deserve the forgiveness, because we don't. But God, entering into the world, brought grace and mercy for everyone. Together, God with us, we will experience Christmas in a whole new light. And I find it safe to say that, many, and probably not even many of us, probably all of us want our situations and circumstances changed this Christmas. I mean, we talked about it early on in Co. Oh, I just want things to be normal again, you know? Like, probably all of us want our circumstances to be changed this Christmas. And knowing God is really with you is greater than and actually solves the, uh, the, the idea and the desire that we have for changed circumstances, because God changes those circumstances. When you're with God, everything in life changes. Everything. The joy and the pain. And it isn't like, like, like culture, like Santa or the feel-good chaster's choice moments we have. I think, I feel oftentimes we view this whole manger scene, the, the baby and the wise men bringing presents and the shepherds with the, my, my, my uh, manger scene had a sheep on the shepherd's soldier, like the Ric Flair thing he was doing with the sheep. And, and uh, <laughs> raise your hand if you, okay, good. I was like, does anybody know who Ric Flair is? All right, I just, anyways, thank you, Chad. Uh, somebody was with me. Anyways, um, but, but we view that manger scene as just like a happy, feel-good moment. We put it up, and it's in our houses. And, and, uh, and, but, but the birth of a baby, even at that time, it's a mood setter. Like, babies are great, right? That's an ultra delight, and, 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 and that's that feel-good moment we have. i got to insert a dad joke here so everybody get ready to laugh. Uh, Mary exhausted, having putting, having put Jesus to bed in the manger scene, in the out in the uh, the cold and in the you know whatever if it was wood or hay or what I don't know what it was, but Mary had just put Jesus off to sleep and approached this young man who thought to himself, you know what Mary needs in this moment, a drum solo, drummer boy, right? No, no, okay. But the, the baby sets the scene, and, and and I've been asked quite a bit, how does how does how does that change things? This, this promise, and, and believe me, it's safe to say that, that many of us want that, and all of us want 
uh, situations and circumstances to change. However, uh, knowing God, and I can say this, knowing God is greater than those changed circumstances. And I've been asked, how does that change things? Somebody who doesn't know Jesus or maybe who somebody's getting, how does that really change things? It's one of the hardest things I think I've been wrestling with to explain. It truly is. But it goes something like this. We all have this deep inner need and desire to be connected. Colby and I had a great conversation this week about different social media platforms and how they're taken off. And they take off, whether it's Facebook 10 years ago or Twitter or uh, Instagram, Snapchat, those kinds. They take off because it's people's desire to be connected with people. And that stuff explodes in that way. And even the most introverted people on this planet, raise your hand if you're introverted. You're not introverted if you raise your hand. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, even the most introverted people in this world today have access to connectedness. They do with everything that's going on. But God knew that we had this desire for connectedness, and he actually made a way for it. And he gave us the blueprints and the design. And he said, I mean, he said actually he did the work to allow us access to the, the ultimate fulfillment of that connectedness. Through Christ, connected with the creator of all things, the one that created us with purpose. And that if we seek that connectedness with people, which is scriptural, biblical, for us to connect with people, part of it. But the ultimate connectedness that we desire is with a creator that knows exactly why and how he created you. That's God with us. And in this entire book, it's God pursuing, always stepping forward, always desiring. Can you imagine with me uh, inventors? So over the years, we've had people invent things. What if... All of the inventions never came with instructions. Or what if, what if the inventor never displayed what the purpose of that invention was? I was somewhere the other day and they were using a rotary telephone. What if a rotary telephone got delivered on everybody's doorstep? What do you think our teenagers would do right now? They'd be like, what is that? Or like a tape player? Like, what? What is that, right? Our connectedness with God, the creator of all things, is ultimately that purpose and meaning given to us in all things. And so this Christmas, as we celebrate, we want and desire to be connected with our creator more than maybe we ever have. I mean, that's my prayer. That this Christmas specifically would be greater than any other Christmas you've experienced. And I know as a pastor, you probably say that every year. This is going to be the best Easter. This is going to be the best Good Friday. But, but really for me, I, God has been wrestling me with this idea of like, think about it. It's God with us. So my desire for us as we walk through this series is that we understand and realize and live out that idea of God with us in a way we never have before. Yeah, celebrate the baby. Put up your manger scene. Buy the presents. Decorate the tree. Right? Uh, 
Send the invitations out. Uh, you know, send the Christmas card. And I hope I'm not stressing you guys out. Like, if you're halfway done with your shopping, you probably are a little stressed. If you haven't got your tree up yet, you're probably a little stressed. But do all that stuff. But do it in a way where you understand and are contemplating the idea of God with us. The word, the truth, the spirit, God's presence is with us. And this is, this is, this is probably the one thing that God's been laying on my heart, is that when we are incapable of reaching God, and, and we've built that up ourselves, when we're incapable of reaching God, God came to you. God stepped in with you. And I don't know if you've ever been in a spot of need or in a, in a spot where it was just rough. When people make that step in with you, it, it means the world. And that's what Jesus did. He sent, the, he sent himself into this world so that he would step in and towards each one of us. God said, you will never have to be separated again. In this Christmas season, we're going to look at the primary ways that God continues to keep his promise of being with us. Specifically, next week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. How his spirit today with us plays probably one of the biggest roles of knowing and understanding his presence. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I'm going to close in a word of prayer this morning. God, we thank you for all of your promises. Lord, but specifically this Christmas, we desire and we, we, we praise you for your willingness to enter into life with us. The desire we have to, uh, that you have for us to enter into life with you. And so, Lord, this morning, we, I will pray, and you can pray with me, an invitation to allow him into this Christmas. Lord, we desire more than anything else to be with you. Lord, I know for myself and for my friends, oftentimes I do my best to separate myself, to hide in certain areas, to walk away in other areas. Lord, but I pray against that this season. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for myself that we would believe that, that you desire, through your Son, to be with us in every step of every day. Lord, I thank you that we can believe that. We can believe in that truth, because you wrote it, you lived it, you, you gave it to us. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that this Christmas and beyond, that we would commit our lives to being with you. We would commit our lives to living step by step with you. Lord, so I, and any of my friends that want to, I commit my life to you now. I commit this Christmas to you. I commit... January and February and 2022 and 2023, Lord, it is my desire 
to be with you in and a part of all things. I thank you that we no longer have to be separated from you. Lord, as we close with these last two songs, may our praises be of praise and honor to a God that is present with us, Lord. To a God that desires to be with us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.